Democrats raised $346 million from 4.7 million people claiming to not have an employer. When people make donations, they are legally required to list their employer. And this is raising red flags. Donald Trump himself has tweeted out that this may be money laundering. And some are suggesting this could be foreign sources donating to the Democrats. Act Blue, which is a progressive fundraising organization for liberal causes, and the Democrats say, no, no, these are just retirees and, you know, stay at home parents and things like that. But it does seem kind of strange that 4.7 million unemployed people would be able to muster up about $74 per person in donations to the Democrats. I guess unemployed people can find $74. And maybe there are a lot of retirees. But nonetheless, this is starting to look like a serious scandal, especially when you compare it to the Republicans. The Republicans use a fundraising service called WinRed, and they do not have nearly as much unemployed people making these donations. The numbers don't seem to add up. Now, the story is interesting. It's coming off of another story from a few months ago about Black Lives Matter. People were saying that the donations going to Black Lives Matter actually went to the DNC. Now, that's not true. It goes through a company called Act Blue. And they try, it's really interesting how they try to debunk the narrative, claiming that it would be illegal for the Black Lives Matter organization or the organization that represents them called Thousand Currents. It would be illegal for Thousand Currents to give money to the DNC. But that's not what is being alleged. I want to revisit that story in the context of what's happening here. And I think Well, I can't make any definitive claims, but it looks like we do have a very, very strange money potential scandal. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe they're right. Maybe just every single retiree, they just dumped all that money in. But I got another I got another question there. Aren't older people, don't they tend to be Republicans? And if that's the case, shouldn't the Republicans see more than the Democrats when coming from unemployed individuals? To me, This smells very, very strange. And you know what? Fox News actually brings up another point. Something similar back in the 2008 cycle when Obama was, according to the Washington Post, using untraceable prepaid credit cards for fundraising, which many people thought could allow foreign sources or individuals to donate more than they're legally allowed to. Let's jump right into this story and actually see what is going on. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. I got a P.O. box if you want to send me stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this story. I don't have a big marketing department, not like CNN or MSNBC. I rely on word of mouth. If you think I'm doing a really good job, but more importantly, if you think people need to know about this, then please share this video. It's the most powerful thing you can do to help support my work and more importantly, get the message out. Also, don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe, the notification bell. Let's read the story and then we'll dig into the context. Exclusive data shows that half of 2019 donations to Act Blue came from untraceable unemployed donors. A take back action fund analysis of $400 million in donations to liberal causes raises red flags of possible foreign involvement. Fox News reports less than two months ahead of the presidential election, With concerns of foreign interference again at the forefront, a conservative political group is raising serious concerns about millions of donations reported by a major Democratic fundraising platform. A preliminary computer analysis by the Take Back Action Fund obtained exclusively by Fox News 
has found that nearly half of all 2019 donations to ActBlue were made by people claiming to be unemployed. Now, I want to stop right there. It says no employer slash unemployed. It could be that just for some reason, only Democrats don't understand the concept of, I don't know, sole proprietorship, and they're not listing themselves as their employer if they're working jobs, or maybe they're working for themselves. Perhaps it doesn't add up when you look at the win red numbers, though. Something isn't right. They say Action Fund President John Pudner questioned the veracity of those donations and called it a loophole that must be closed for the sake of election integrity. Quote, after downloading hundreds of millions of dollars in donations to the Take Back Action Fund servers, we were shocked to see that almost half of the donations to Act Blue in 2019 claimed to be unemployed individuals, he said. The name of employers must be disclosed when making political donations. But more than $4.7 million, I'm sorry, more than 4.7 million donations came from people who claimed they did not have an employer. Those 4.7 million donations totaled $346 million Act Blue raised and sent to liberal causes. Now, I got another question here. If I'm donating to Black Lives Matter, do I need to disclose my employer? The organization that fundraises on behalf of the Black Lives Matter Global Network is Thousand Currents. I believe they are a 501c3. I don't know if the same if there's the same legal requirements. So if someone is giving money through Act Blue to a politician, that's different than if they're giving money to, say, Black Lives Matter. Let's read on. They say the trend is continuing this year. An action fund examination of 2020 data from January through August showed an uptick in unemployed donations through Act Blue to 50.1% this year. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Act Blue defends the integrity of its donations and said many come from retirees and people who aren't counted as employed, such as homemakers. According to the findings of the Action Fund, a nonprofit that aims to educate the public on conservative solutions for political reform, 48.4% of Act Blue donations last year, prior to the massive loss of jobs that came with the onslaught of the coronavirus pandemic, came from those who did not list an employer or who claimed to be unemployed. Pudner said the large number is a red flag that some donations may be illicit contributions from foreign interests attempting to impact U.S. elections. Quote, it is hard to believe that at a time when the U.S. unemployment rate was less than 4%, that unemployed people had $346 million to send to Act Blue for liberal causes, Pudner said, adding that $4.7 million in donations from people without a job raised serious concerns. Now, listen, if people are donating to charities, 501c3s, maybe I'm not sure if they do or don't, but I don't, I don't think they need to list their employer necessarily. The bigger question then is, I mean, that's still $74 per person. And somebody who's retired, they're on a budget. I used to work in nonprofit fundraising. This is why this is a big, big red flag for me. I fundraised for Greenpeace, for Save the Children, for the even even the ACLU. Now I worked for companies that were fundraising for them. That's a very important distinction. I think Greenpeace was literally one of Greenpeace's organization organizations. And I've also worked for a homeless shelter. I was literally in charge of fundraising. And I can tell you this. One of the biggest challenges is convincing retirees to make any contribution. The average person would make a monthly contribution of around, uh, I believe it's $17 at the time. So this was a while ago. This was like 14 years ago. It was around $17 at the time, probably up uh, around 20 or bucks or so now. But with the pandemic and the loss of jobs, I'd imagine it's a little low. 
convincing someone to give $74. That seems bold to me. Maybe these are people who are giving monthly, but they would specifically train people. When you're trying to convince someone to donate, if they're a retiree, you have to say this because retirees don't make these donations, especially homemakers. These are people who, who are on a budget they, they can't control. So people who are homemakers might have extra cash, but for the most part would say, I got to talk to my wife. I got to talk to my husband. That was another huge hurdle. I can't do it. I'm on a budget. I've got to talk to my significant other or I'm retired. I can't afford this. This to me, I saw this and I said, no way, no way. I was a director. I worked in nonprofits. This to me sounds totally bunk. Let's read more. Check this out. They say, Act Blue created in 2004. And, and I, I got to stop. I got to stop. I'm sorry, man. The other huge thing people would always tell us, I'm unemployed. I can't give you money. I saw this and I said, no way. I would go. I used to go out. Me and my friends, we worked for these nonprofits and we would we would do the street canvassing like, hey, you got a minute? And I'll tell you this, the three big excuses. I don't have a job. I can't afford it. I got to talk to my significant other. I'm just a homemaker or we're on a budget together. And the retirees were on a budget. I'm calling BS on this. Let's read more. Act Blue, created in 2004, bills itself as a powerful online fundraising platform available to Democratic candidates and committees, progressive organizations and nonprofits that share our values for no cost besides a 3.95% processing fee on donations. And we operate as a conduit, which means donations made through Act Blue to, ca- to a campaign or organization are considered individual donations, its website explains. But critics, including the Action Fund, contend that the website allows credit card donations that are not verified. So anyone from any country in the world can donate without a paper trail. Act Blue's insistence on refusing to allow banks to verify their donations is an invitation to foreign programmers or others to send money through them using fake American names. And we encourage them to start letting banks verify the identity of donors to stop the potential for millions of dollars to influence our election. Putner said, I got, I, I just got to say it, man. It just looks like cheating. It just looks like cheating. Everything from mail-in voting uh, to, to, to this. I mean, why wouldn't they allow the banks to verify the identity of the cardholders? I, I, I do think this can be investigated and I think it should be investigated. And while you're at it, investigate win red. They seem to have nothing to hide. But anybody playing dirty games, try and steal an election, call them out. Act Blue's, here's a quote, Act Blue's insistence on refusing to allow banks to, ver- uh, oh, I'm sorry, I read that, read, read that part. Last year, the Republican Party created a competing fundraising platform called WinRed to counter Act Blue's prowess in small donor sourcing. According to the Action Fund, an analysis of WinRed's 4.9 million donations totaling 302 million found that only 4% came from people who did not list an employer or were unemployed. This year, the rate is 5.6, according to the data. Check this out. Joe Biden, no employer unemployed, 55 million. Trump, 2.3 million. 2.8% of Trump's donors were unemployed. 33.7% of Biden's donations are unemployed. Now, you may be saying, yes, maybe the people who lost their jobs are mad at Trump over COVID. Fair point. I'll accept it. What I won't accept, $55 million. Come on, man. Is that, I believe that's, yeah, $55 million. Donation. I, 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 I don't buy it, man. I'm sorry. I just don't. 40. What, what is this? Oh, OK. So these are these are the uh, broken down by year. It, it appears. I don't know. I think the whole thing is fishy. I think I'm reading that chart right. I, I may be reading it wrong. But suffice it to say, they say the percentage of people that Biden received from, that were unemployed 
is 33.7. I'm sorry, 49.6. I can't tell what they're trying to say in this total raised, whatever. Let's read more. We purposely wanted to examine 2019 first because before COVID, the unemployment rate was at 4% or below. It's hard to believe that millions of Americans who were out of work had $346 million to spare to give to Act Blue. Yep. For liberal causes, he says. Precisely determining if the donations were authentic and genuinely from those who were unemployed requires further time and resources. Auditing these suspect, suspect donations to determine if millions lied by indicating they were unemployed when in fact they were not, or if their names were just being used by a foreign programmer or someone else to move money without their knowledge will take time, Pudner said. We've planned a series of forensic procedures to identify whether or not these donors of record exist or not, if they made the contributions themselves and whether they were legally able and whether or not they are, they are, uh, they are potential straw donors making the contributions after being given the money and direction by someone else. In response to questions by Fox News, a representative for Act Blue said it is best security practice to refrain from publicly sharing any detailed information about how we analyze contributions. But we use an array of data sources, internal validation and third party services to verify the validity of transactions. We take the security of our platform and integrity of donations very seriously. We report every contribution to federal to federal candidates that come through our platform. And you can look those up on the FEC. We report the information donors enter about their occupation and employer. And we do see a significant portion of donors who report their status as not employed, such as retired donors or full-time parents. The issue of unauthenticated political donations was also brought to light by the Washington Post in 2008, which was at the time allowing donors to use largely untraceable prepaid credit cards that would potentially be used to evade limits on how much an individual is legally allowed to give to mass their contribution. Check this out. This is an old story from the Washington Post, Obama accepting untraceable donations. They say Senator Barack Obama's presidential campaign is allowing donors to use largely untraceable prepaid credit cards that could potentially be used to evade limits on how much an individual is legally allowed to give or to mask a contributor's identity campaign officials confirm. So this is just on top. It's crazy on top of crazy. All right. Suffice it to say that the the Democrats are getting a ridiculous proportion, a ridiculous amount of money and donors who are not employed or who have no employer. Now, they say very easily, it could just be people who don't know. It could be people who, you know, aren't, aren't listing things properly. They, they, they don't realize they have to actually say who their employer is. So maybe they're just not that smart. But I got to say, if in any circumstance where that was the case, wouldn't it make more sense that Republicans would see the same thing? They don't. They aren't seeing it. Well, Donald Trump has called this out. He says fake liberal Democrat donors money laundering anyone. I don't know for sure, but I do want to point out two very important aspects of this. Yes, if ActBlue is giving money to Joe Biden or anyone else, they got to report all of this. But I have some concerns. How many people are inactive politically? Would anyone, is anyone going to look up maybe tens of thousands of individuals who have maybe given donations and it was falsely put in their name? I think about this when, you know, we talk about mail-in voting. If you, if, if there are duplicate ballots being sent out in different states, like somebody could have lived in California and registered, and then a year later moved and registered somewhere else. And now both ballots get sent out. What if someone forges it, sends it in? 
It's hard to know for sure. There should be, I, I believe there are some ways we can track the, uh, your actual vote. But I'm curious about the donations. If there's somebody who doesn't care about politics and they know this person doesn't care about politics, what if someone of Russian influence, yeah, I'm using Russia on purpose, decides because they've hacked a whole database of names and they know who didn't vote and they say, these people are inactive, donate in their names. And then what? Are those people ever going to check? No. Is anyone going to know they're the people who don't vote? No. How do you do this? It's very, very difficult. It would be interesting, but illicit. I don't believe it's possible to do. If you were able to run uh, every voter alongside who made donations, and then if you saw a large discrepancy in people who don't vote but make donations, you might be like, why aren't these people voting? If they're paying people, paying is a bigger deal than voting. You'd think they'd go vote. And then maybe you could ask them. I'd be willing to bet there's people you ask, hey, you're listed as having given 100 bucks, did you? And they'll say, I don't know what you're talking about. Of course, that's just my speculation. I don't know for sure. Now, as it pertains to to Act Blue, I want to bring up some other really, really important points. I find I find this all rather strange. In this story from Just the News, they're one of the only outlets that bring up something interesting in this story about Black Lives Matter. They say donations to Black Lives Matter are funneled through a Democratic fundraising group. First and foremost, this group describes themselves kind of like PayPal or Stripe. It's like if you make a donation to me, like when I said on my donate page, you're just sending me money through PayPal. You're not giving PayPal money. I mean, technically you are, but the money is just into my account. There is a small fee that PayPal takes. Do you know why PayPal takes that fee? Because that's the fee to transfer the money. So first and foremost, they say this. The donation page linked from the central Black Lives Matter website actually reroutes users to secure ActBlue donation form. ActBlue Charities is a registered charitable organization formed to democratize charitable giving. On its website, ActBlue says it takes a 3.95% processing fee from all transactions, after which the donated money goes straight to the candidate or organization. The company stipulates that any donations that are rejected by an organization or go unclaimed for more than 60 days will be redesignated as a contribution to Act Blue. Those contributions are generally to support its social welfare activities, the organization states. There it is. Now, whether or not there's anything nefarious going on with these unemployed donations, I'm going to go ahead and say, dude, I just got to say it again. I'm really proud to say this because this happens to hit right in, in, in an industry that I, I worked in. I was a director doing events, marketing, and primarily canvassing, street canvassing, fundraising. We knew exactly who would and wouldn't give. And if you want to tell me that 50% of people are the three people we could barely get to give, I'm going to say liar. That's just me personally. All right. Now that's, <laughs> but I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying, I'd be willing to bet you go to any one of my buddies and they'd be like, get out of here, dude. Retirees, unemployed and homemakers, they're not going to give you money, man. Uh, you get lucky sometimes, but those are, the, those are the groups you don't get. But take a look at this. When people say that donations to, Act, uh, to Black Lives Matter goes to the DNC, that's wrong. But what happens? First, any donation you make, 3.95% as a fee goes to Act Blue. Yeah, they're taking a fee. What do they use that money for? Financial infrastructure for progressive groups. That is supporting Democratic politicians. You see how this works? I'm not here to claim that they're secretly funneling money to Democrats. No, the donations to Black Lives Matter are literally supporting the infrastructure 
of Democratic politicians. Now, of course, I'm sure all of the Black Lives Matter donors are okay with that. So I don't think it's that big of a deal, but it's something you should know about. More importantly, I want to show you this. As an aside, as we know, we're kind of winding things down. A federal agency said in July, on July 17th, supporting Black Lives Matter isn't partisan or political. I would like to remind each and every person who has ever said that, from sports agencies to corporations, Black Lives Matter is not political. That's why they can wear their pins on their job, but you can't say MAGA. I'm sorry. Act Blue is political. Act Blue is overtly political. And your donations to Black Lives Matter go through Act Blue. If they weren't political, why would they use the Democrats' fundraising apparatus? Because they are. So when you make these donations, what happens? The Democratic candidates that are running, that rely on Act Blue infrastructure, are being benefited by donations to Black Lives Matter. The money you give to Black Lives Matter will very likely be transferred on along to at, at what, 90? 96.05% will go to thousand currents, a 501c3 who cannot give their money for political causes. It's a 501c3. And that's probably the excuse these people are using. But you, you see how the dirty game is played? That's right. Act Blue is specifically for Democrats and progressives. The whole game is dirty. And that's all that matters, man. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not surprised by any of this. Now, are we going to go as far as to say that it could be foreign contributors. It could be, but we're not going to go as far as to say that it is. But I do think everything we're seeing warrants an investigation. We saw in 2008, I wonder what came of that. And now we're seeing it now. The, the, the political ties between Black Lives Matter and the Democrats should be obvious to anyone. And I'll tell you this, I've always been a big fan of this idea of getting money out of politics, but I don't know if you can do that. It just doesn't seem possible. The idea of getting money out of politics is basically like, yo, I don't like that you've got billionaires making massive donations to all these nonprofits that, you know, will like they're nonprofits, but they, they, they campaign super PACs basically, right? Or, or advocacy groups. So a lot of people like to yell, George Soros, George Soros. And I'm like, I don't care. He's just one of the guys doing it. What about the Mercers? What, what about the Koch brothers? What about Mc, uh, what's it, Mackenzie Bezos or whatever? She changed her name back. I don't know. What about people like that? All of these rich people are doing these things. Call them all out. How do we stop the incestuous relationship between these financial, you know, uh, groups and politics? I don't think you can. I don't think you can. You know, they put limits on how much you can give to a candidate. What happens? People just make super PACs. Okay, well, we want to provide cheap and effective financial infrastructure at no cost to a political candidate. How do we do it? Act blue. We can take money for 501c3s and use that to siphon off a piece that will support the infrastructure used by the candidates. You know why? You're probably going to be able to raise money for a charity before a politician. And this is coming from experience. If I went to someone and said, yo, we want to save the trees. Give me some money. People might be like, I like trees. Here's money. What if I said John Smith needs 50 bucks? He's running for office. It'd be, I don't know. I don't care. Bye bye. So it means it's harder to support the financial inf infrastructure off the fee going only to politicians. In my opinion, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that political donations, while substantial, are, are nothing compared to charitable cause donations because those are tax deductible. Think about it that way. You might have a corporation saying, if we donate 10 million, we can write that off on our taxes. We can't do that if we, if we give money to a political candidate. 
So we can donate money, write it off, and a large portion of that, or a decent enough, about 4%, will go to supporting financial infrastructure for Democrats, thus benefiting them. It's not the biggest scandal in the world in that regard. It's a bigger scandal that you have these unemployed people who apparently had $346 million to give to Democrats. Not to Republicans, though. Uh, Well, (laughs) you know what? I'm going to wrap it up by saying this may actually be a big misunderstanding. It may just be that Democrats don't have jobs and everybody with a job is supporting Trump. I mean, that's actually a good point. People like to make fun of these uh, Black Lives Matter supporters and activists and people on the ground saying, get a job. Maybe those are the people making the donations, right? So it does seem weird. Maybe there's an explanation. In my experience, I'm calling shenanigans. But what can I do? I'm just a dude. He's setting up a new studio in this. You may have noticed I'm in a different room. Yeah, we're, we're setting up a, a new studio. I'm just a dude complaining on the internet about something I read. So I'll leave it there. But, I, but I, uh, in all seriousness, I think uh, dirty games, man. Dirty, dirty games. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at YouTube.com. I'm sorry, YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. It is a different channel, and I will see you all then. Last night, two L.A. sheriff's deputies were ambushed, sustained multiple gunshot wounds, are in critical condition, underwent surgery, and they're currently fighting for their lives. We don't know why the guy did it, but we do know that Black Lives Matter activists showed up to the hospital screaming, you're next, and I hope they die, referring to them as two members of a notorious criminal gang, just all around wishing death on two officers who were just sitting in their vehicle when someone runs up and shoots them. Donald Trump has slammed the shooting, which is good news. But uh, I just got to say, man, it's worrying that this kind of thing persists, because for those of you that that uh, aren't familiar, the same thing happened in 2014 on my on my block, Uh, not even a block away from where I live. I look out my window. I could see this. A man walked up to a police car and he killed two cops. He shot them both in an ambush. He said something like, you take one of ours, we take two of yours or something to that effect. And at the time, we saw a bunch of activist organizations and high profile individuals condemn this, saying, "It's of course it's bad. We don't wish this on police. But you know what? When you push the rhetoric, when you turn it into a spectacle, when you put it on TV, when you make it the story, when you make this the national rage. When your sports players are, are, are bending the knee and saying this country is racist, when you put out the 1619 project, which is fake news, saying this country is a slaveocracy, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, sure. The high profile leaders can come out all day and night and say, we, we condemn this. We condemn this. And I can respect that. It, you're, allowed, you're allowed to call out police brutality. I think police brutality is bad. I want police reform. But you've got this tsunami where you have these media companies and you have these personalities who realize we can make money off of this. And so they push and they push and they push. And then eventually someone, some random person snaps. And then we see this again. Almost six years later, I lived on that street. The lights got shut off. I I looked out my window and cops everywhere. The whole block was was cut off. Cops told me I couldn't even leave my house. And do you know what one of the reactions from a rapper was? I guess y'all can't breathe now either. I kid you not. There are some people who are just happy to see this happen. There are people who have shown, who, who went to the hospital where these two, it was, a, it was a mother, a six-year-old and a 24-year-old man just sitting there. They didn't do anything to anybody. They're just cops. If you've got a problem with the system, we take it up with the system. 
But now we've got another one. Now we've got another one. And, and, and I can't say I'm surprised to see that Black Lives Matter marched to the hospital, essentially cheering for this. Man, you may notice I'm in a weird little room. It's because I'm getting away from the cities. Look, in 2014, I, I was sitting in my apartment and I was like blasting a loud movie or something like eating a burrito on my couch. And uh, I get a text message saying, are you near the murders? And I said, I don't know what murders. And they said, uh, what was it? Tompkins and Nostrand, I think. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I live on, I live on that street. I live just like one street over sort of. So I look out my window and I look to my right at the corner. You can see all the cops. You can see the vehicles. And uh, I, I didn't even know it. Ha- I didn't even realize it happened. But when I realized what happened, that's when I was like, wow, man, I, 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 I don't want to be here. I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to be around this because we at, at, at the time this was, you know, I, I traveled all around the world. I was covering Ferguson and stuff like that and uh, riots, Baltimore, all this stuff. I don't, I don't remember exactly when all this stuff was going down, but I, I know this was like post Ferguson. I mean, Ferguson happened, you know, pre, uh, every few months we'd be back. And then I, I was talking to a friend and I'm like, dude, you, you can't, it's like, you can't escape it in these cities. I can travel all around the world covering the civil unrest. And then I come home and it happens outside my apartment. And then I was just like, I need to get away from, from, from this. You know, I don't want to be in the areas. I don't want, I don't want this stuff to be happening where I live. And it's, 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 it's privilege, man. It really is the, this idea that, I can hop on a plane and parachute into one of these cities where this stuff's going down and cover it and then go back and hide in my safe little haven. And that's exactly what I've been doing. And so after that, uh, I decided I wanted to I, I wanted to leave. So look, I, I, wanna, I don't, I don't want to rant on that too much. Let's actually just read the, read the news so we can tell you what happened and show you this. Trump slams the shooting ambush of two L.A. sheriffs at Compton train station as the work of animals that must be hit hard. As both officers fight for their lives and the FBI joins the manhunt, I, I hope, I hope, I wish the best for these officers. I hope they make it through this. This is, this is what nightmares are made of, man. It's just, it's, it's not just, look, I know cops get shot. I know these things happen. But at a time like this, I, they, the shooter is apparently at large. They say President Donald Trump uh, called the man who opened fire on two L.A. deputies, an animal who needed to be hit hard as the FBI was called in to help investigate the Saturday shooting. Two Los Angeles sheriff deputies were shot in an ambush at a train station by a male suspect who then fled the scene, local outlets report. The two deputies, a male and female officer with the Transit Service Bureau, were shot at the Metro Blue Line station at Willowbrook Avenue and Oak Street in Compton. A male suspect got off a bus at the station and shot the deputies before fleeing the scene, KTTV reports. And you can see Trump's tweet, animals that must be hit hard. Here's a a, a grainy image of the man fleeing. They say video released by the sheriff's department shows the suspect walking up to the car and immediately opening fire before running off. The gunman walked up to the walked up on the deputies, opened fire without warning or provocation. The department said in a post, both deputies sustained multiple gunshot wounds and are in critical condition. According to the department's Twitter account, they have had surgery and Sheriff Alex Villanueva is at the hospital now. One has been described as a married 31 year old mother of a six year old boy. The other deputy is a 24 year old male. During the press conference, Sheriff Villanueva said that the two deputies initiated radio contact after they were shot. Man, 
They were transported with assistance of other deputies. All right, it's time to get mad. I'm already I'm already mad enough about this because I I I I've ex- I've seen it. I've seen it. Black Lives Matter mob swarms hospital where deputies were being treated after being ambushed. Threaten police at scene saying you're next. This is from the Gateway Pundit. Uh, I, I always say this when I read Gateway because I, I am not a fan of Gateway. But this again, <laughs> it's Cassandra Fairbanks and uh, I, I trust her. And this is all backed up by video evidence of which I've seen and corroborated myself. So this is just a good aggregate of, of, of just the, 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 the callousness, the depravity of, of this. In, this is a, these people don't care, man. I can say it a million times when Jacob Blake got shot several times. I am upset by that. I don't want people getting hurt. I can say it a million times. George Floyd should not have died. There's a lot. There's new information coming out there, but I don't care. I don't want anyone to die. I don't want anyone getting shot. These people are cheering for this. I am sick to my stomach waking up and seeing these stories. I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like for their families. But to see a story like this, how dare these people, man? This is why I hope Trump wins. And I hope I hope the Democrats realize they will reap what they have sown with this. This is this is unacceptable. A Black Lives Matter mob swarmed the hospital where two deputies were taken for treatment after being ambushed and shot. The block, they blocked doorways, threatened officers at the scene and attempted to force their way inside. And I'm just going to jump straight to it. The L.A. County Sheriff's tweeting to the protesters blocking the entrance and exit of the hospital emergency room yelling, we hope they die, referring to two L.A. sheriffs ambushed today in Compton. Do not block emergency entries and exits to the hospital. People's lives are at stake when ambulances can't get through. Yeah, that's all on video. I didn't believe it. When they said, when I saw this headline, they're yelling, you're next. I said, no way, no way. We are not. Yeah, we absolutely are. They say, as Gateway Pundit previously reported, two LA Sheriff's County uh, County deputies and uh, a man and a woman are in surgery fighting for their lives after each was shot in the head during an ambush by a lone gunman at a metro station in Compton. They were shot multiple times, my understanding. Happening now, we are at St. Francis Hospital where two pigs have been brought to be repaired after being shot in the head. All right. Sickening. Absolutely. The activists who have widespread support from Democrat politicians and nearly every major corporation did chance wishing death upon the officers after they arrived at the hospital. How about each and every one of these athletes who stood there chanting, cheering for this can now answer for it? How about we get them on the record? How about we get them to speak up against it? Approximately a dozen of them were at the scene celebrating the shooting and threatening officers. Cernovich tweeting, two police officers were ambushed and shot. Far left wing protesters went to the hospital where officers were to receive treatment. They wished death on the officers and blocked an entranceway all on video. They also threatened officers at the scene saying you're next that I couldn't believe it. They really do. There's some officers standing here and one of them has what looks like a riot weapon of some sort. Looks like the, the 40 millimeter, I think it is, uh, uh, like gas or, 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 or foam round. And they're yelling, you know, you don't need it. You don't need that weapon. And they're saying, you're next. They said, this is why it happens. You're next. You're next. Bro, you went to a hospital. It's not just the cops who are inside. It's the little kids who, in, who are inside. It's the parents who are worried. It's the dude who broke his arm. It's the guy who just had a heart attack. And you have the nerve, the nerve to show up because you don't like cops and put everyone else at risk. 
And the nerve of these corporations and the nerve of all of these outlets that prop up this message. Bravo. You deserve a standing ovation for this. This is you. I'm sick of this, man. To the protesters, look, I don't care about politics. About I don't care about any of it. I care about the fact that two people are fighting for their lives and they shouldn't have to be. If you've got a problem with the system, we fight the system. We take it up in the courts. We take it up with legal action. You do not win this way. It go, it, this will backfire. This is what I cannot stand about how the far left goes about their activism. When you show up and shoot cops, you know what happens? People vote Republican. They vote Trump and they demand law and order. And you get more, not less. If you want to go out, act a fool and shoot people, then you know what? You justify the armed guards standing on street corners. Look at what happened in Chicago after the looting and rioting. There were cops everywhere. Who wants to live like that? I don't. But you want to go out and say, we don't like the system, so we're going to go shoot people. We're going to go smash everything, justifying everything they said, everything they do. And you will get people screaming, save us. And you know what the government's going to say? Lock it down. I do not want to live that way. So y'all need to back off because all this is going to do is escalate and make everything worse. It's like a, a, I call it the Chinese finger trap problem that the response to this is a, a harsh response in the wrong direction. It's, it's people coming out screaming justice. And then even when they get the government making changes, they've already defunded police at like 129 departments. What do they do? They scream more. And then instead of backing off and saying, yo, we didn't want this, they say we did. That's the thing. It's like, bro, you won, man. You got every corporation on your side. You got every athlete, not every, but most of them. They're bending their knee to you. The governments are taking money away from cops. You won. What else do you want? They want to cheer for this. They want to cheer for people who are on the verge of death. A mother. She's got a kid she's got to go home to. Look, I know this isn't indi- this doesn't represent literally every single Black Lives Matter activist. And I know many of them are going to come out and condemn this because people don't want this. But you know why I'm, I'm not I'm not doing it? You know why I'm, I'm just not having it? Because I, I, I witnessed the aftermath of the 2014 police ambush in New York City. And when they came out and said, we didn't want any of this, we didn't mean for any of this. And then some people cheered it on. Here we are now, six years later. What happen- happens again? Yeah, apparently you don't get it. Apparently you, you don't. They keep doing the same thing. And, and, and it's really funny to me because the left will say that there's rhetoric and riling up of the far right and the extremists. You're, you're damn right there is. I don't like those people either. And you know what? The feds are going after them and the corporations aren't supporting them. Could you imagine this? All that far right rhetoric that's popping up on all of these different platforms. And they say that this encourages people. It exacerbates the problem. Fine. Sure. Whatever. I'm for free speech. All right. My issue here are the individuals who are screaming you're next. All right. You have free speech. By all means, go ahead and say it. And I'll respect your right to say it. And I'll tell you, y'all are crazy saying that, that I hope they die and things like that. All right. Fine. Say what you got to say. But right now, here's the problem. You can talk about the radicalization of the right. And they and they they cry and complain. I remember this one tweet. They were like, we begged you. We begged you to make it stop. But you let the hate speech happen. And now look. Here we are, baby. You, you put the hate speech on corporate billboards. You put it on the floor of the NBA. You put it in the, in the stadiums of the NFL. You put it on every TV channel. 
and you and and you and they put Jacob Blake's name on on he put his name, one of the players put Jacob Blake on his helmet. A guy wanted on a felony warrant for assaulting a woman, and this guy gets his name plastered up. You know why? Because there's no such thing as a criminal. No, not to these people. The general idea is you can do no wrong, I suppose. So what 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 do we get come next? What, what's the next thing that happens? He's going to keep doing it. Man, I can't believe this. You're next. I don't even want to look at this. They tell us what happened. Uh, uh, Gateway says two sheriff deputies were shot. I want to take you back in time. And I want to show you this all about. First, I want to show you this tweet. They say moments ago, two of our sheriff's deputies were shot in Compton and were transported to a local hospital. They are both still fighting for their lives. So please keep them in your thoughts and prayers. We will update this thread with information that becomes available. I hope they, they put up a, uh, a GoFundMe or something. I hate GoFundMe. We need something else. Just do something else. Some kind of uh, uh, donation thing for these people. I hope they make it through. And if they don't, I want to make sure that their families get taken care of. Dude, that's true for uh, George Floyd made millions of dollars. Jacob Blake got millions of dollars. I'm totally fine with that. These guys were uh, to varying degrees criminals, but I don't care. I don't care. I don't want people getting hurt. Now, look, Jacob Blake fought with the cops. He was wanted on a felony warrant. He fought with the cops. That's a different story. George Floyd maybe had drugs. Still, I don't want people to suffer. You know, and, and, and I'll tell you this, man, on the drug stuff, I'm, I'm pretty libertarian on all that stuff. So I, I don't want I, the George Floyd thing is a tragedy. It is. We'll see how that, all that plays out. But I want I want people to be able to uh, you know, take care of their families. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm too uh, I'm, I'm too easygoing on them too. I'm too I don't know what the right word is. Not harsh enough on people who do bad things. I bring you now back in time to the 2014 killings of New York City police officers. You want to know why this matters? These officers weren't white dudes. These off, it was, it was uh, uh, Officer Rafael Ramos, and it was Wenjian Liu. Liu. Wenjian was the only son of Chinese immigrants. He and his family came to the U.S. from Taishan, Guangdong, in China when he was 12 years old. He was a seven-year veteran officer of the NYPD who, who had married Pei Jiashen, and October 2014, he had just married her. She was able to she was able to have a kid. They were able to salvage some of his uh, um, biological matter, in a matter of speaking. But I, I know it's kind of gross, whatever. But I'm 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 glad to to see that uh, you know he was able to to carry on his family. It's, uh, it's 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 a horrifying story, man. But let me show you the game's reaction. I guess y'all can't breathe either. Do you think that these people mean it when they say they're sad about this? I think some people, I think they're high profile individuals who are just playing a game. And then when things get bad, they're like, whoa, oh man, this is too much for me. I didn't mean that. They think they can come out and they can say all of these things and plaster this message everywhere. And you won't get a lunatic to run up to a cop, shoot him twice. And we don't even know if there, there, there could theoretically be other shootings where we just don't know if it was actually like, like, let's say there's, you know, cops engage with somebody. It's not an ambush and they have a firefight. And for all we know, the motivation for the crime or the, or the confrontation really was this rhetoric. And regardless, regardless of that, this, all this rhetoric we see about Black Lives Matter, it creates a paranoid state for a lot of people. They fear and they hate cops. Bro, when I see a cop, I don't freak out because I understand the media is full of it. I see cops say, how's it going? Like any other person. Now, when you're driving in your car and you see a cop, you got to slow down, go to the speed limit. You know, you know what I mean? But I, I, got, I got no worries about cops. None whatsoever. I mean, to be fair, you got you to gotta understand, you got to know your rights. You got to know how to, how to act. Don't, don't resist if you're being detained or whatever. And don't talk without a lawyer. 
Keep your mouth shut. Keep yourself safe. If the cops are doing their job, they got to do their job. Well, you got your rights. You got to do yours. All right. I see cops walking down the street. I don't think twice. In fact, I, 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 I'm not scared when cops are around, even though I know there have been instances where cops have shot people accidentally. I'm not worried about it. It just is. It's they the media wants to take stories and they want to hype them up to an extreme degree. And they want you to uh, they want you. It's, it's, if it bleeds, it leads, man. You guys really got to watch the movie Nightcrawler with uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. And I mean it, man, because when you you see how they portray this, this, this uh, nightly news uh, director for a local station, and she's like all excited for the blood and the gore, I'm telling you, man. And there's a guy who's like, can we show this? And she's like, shut up. So the game walked things back. All right. To be fair, this was back in 2014. He says, I guess y'all can't breathe either. They're still saying I can't breathe. That's still their slogan. And that was his reaction. That was just the mask slipping. And I think, to be honest, I think, you know, a lot of these people who are saying, oh, we don't want this to happen. Oh, we're so sad. I don't buy it, man. I, I really don't. And, and, it, and it, it bums me out. I think there's a lot of people on the left and the right who secretly want violence, but they'll pretend like they don't. They'll make jokes, but they'll pretend that they don't. And that, these are the people we got to keep in check. We got to tell them no. Who, we got to find out who this guy is. We got to stop him. The dude in 2014 took his own life. So I'll tell you this. I'll wrap up with just one final thought on all this. Take a look at this story. More than 100 Black Lives Matter protesters shut down George Washington Bridge in Manhattan and then violently clash with NYPD outside their precinct on another chaotic night in NYC. Do you guys realize what's going on right now? Like, come on, man. You got two people shot. Now I get it. Many of these people are probably out there protesting before that shooting happened. But this is a contributing factor. I'm all for protest. You know, if you want to go out and protest, I'm not going to blame you. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to blame the murderer. I'm not going to blame guns. I'm not going to blame, you know, speech. This guy was a lunatic and that guy is responsible. When I bring up the stuff about speech, I'm trying to point out the hypocrisy, not to say that people should have a right to protest. You do, but you got to understand what comes next. You go out in these protests and you're fighting with cops in this way. And these cops just got, just heard dude got shot. What do you think these cops are going to be thinking? Yeah, it might not be you doing your peaceful protest, having a good time, but it could be that one crazy person, man, who comes out and puts puts a couple puts a, puts some live rounds in people. I'll leave it there. Um, on a side note, you may have noticed. Uh, maybe it sounds a little different if you're listening on the podcast, or it looks different because I'm actually uh, I'm in a closet. <laughs> uh, it's got a window. It's more. It's it's actually kind of an office, but. Uh, it's because we're doing a temporary setup right now. We're expanding and I'm doing some speed testing and stuff like that. So I have to actually do work outside of the house to set up the new studio and everything. And this was the best place to actually film uh, film, film segments. So uh, there you go. Man, I, I, I hope all this simmers down. I hope everybody chills. I hope after this election, it's calm again. But when I look back to 2014 and I look at all these other circumstances, all these other incidents, it just feels like we're, we're, we're ticking forward. You know what I mean? But I wish the best for these officers. I hope they make it through this one. I hope they have full recoveries, and I hope we can uh, we can help out in any way. The same we, the same as we did for for you know all these other these other victims. They got tons of money. All right, this dude who got his business burned down, he he got a good good payout. You know, I'm I'm glad to see that we can turn a day of pain into something happy. If these cops end up walking away with several million dollars and they go and they get to become wealthy and just live, be independently wealthy from now on. They deserve it, man. Nobody deserves to get shot like this and to be lying there, dying, calling in on the radio, begging for help. 
Uh, man, it's tough. I'll see you on the next segment coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. Rumors are flying around that Antifa is responsible for the wildfires, or at least some of them, on the West Coast. And I can say right now, the most important thing, I have personally not seen evidence that Antifa, as with, with the flags or any kind of specific identification, has been involved in any of this. But there is at least one instance where a Black Lives Matter activist, a defund the police activist, was in fact arrested for reckless burning. Police said they saw him starting a fire. You may have seen my video on this in the uh, in the past couple of days. But there is a lot to break down here. First, Facebook will ban you. They're now saying that they're going to take down posts and, you know, issue some kind of penalty against people who make the claim that Antifa is responsible for this. But we also have a viral video that is flying in the face of many of these claims by the mainstream media that Antifa is not involved. And we got to be very, very careful. In this video you see before you, there is a sheriff. There's actually two. Uh, I believe there's two sheriffs talking to a cop watch activist. In this clip, the man says straight up Antifa is out here, you know, causing hell and all sorts of trouble. Now, immediately, the people on the left are saying he's lying. He's gone crazy. You know, the cop is wrong. He's pushing conspiracy theories. But this clip is too many evidence that Antifa is out here doing this. But you got to realize first and foremost, man, cops are people too. Now, I, I, I think it's possible this officer does have some kind of intel from his department where they're suggesting that there have been people they suspect of being Antifa starting fires. I, I would not put it uh, outside the realm of possibility. But it could also be that this officer just saw the same videos that you did. So for me, all I can really do is I do the research. I look things up. We can confirm a Black Lives Matter activist was arrested for setting a fire. That's one guy. But I think I know what's happening. You see, Antifa likes to prey upon these kind of I don't know how you describe these people, but let me let me let me let me, let me break it down this way. The dude who did get arrested, who was a Black Lives Matter activist, he was also opposed to looting. I wonder if because Black Lives Matter is so broad and that Antifa is trying to essentially recruit and energize regular random people, people who may be distraught, disenfranchised, it's very easy to find someone who might fit the the stereotype of Antifa and say that person and the things they've done is Antifa. So I guess what I can say right now, first and foremost, and we'll go through these stories because Facebook's going to ban you to talk about it, but I've got evidence of arson. I want to break down the fake news. I can say just just because, you know, evidence of uh, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Uh, basically, we don't know for sure who all these people are. We have not found the evidence of political motivation. So let's just take it for what it is. But I got to break this down. All right, we're going to go through these stories because if it's true that this officer actually knows something, there may be something here. So it's, in my opinion, irresponsible and scary, actually, that Facebook is going to take down what they call false reports of Antifa arson in Oregon. This is how this is how, man, how do you break trust? among regular people in this country. It's simple. You stop them from being able to share information, whether you know it's true or not. And this is where it starts to get scary. It is not false to say that leftist activists or a leftist activist has been arrested. We know this is true. Of course, the media is saying it's all fake. It's all fake. Ignore this. Nothing's happening. 
So what happens if you actually find evidence? What happens if we have this video from the sheriff and people, you know, this sheriff is telling the truth. They know that Antifa's out there. Facebook will take it down. Why? Because the New York Times and other outlets have said so. Now, to be fair, let's be real. Law enforcement has also said, please stop calling in Antifa starting fires. But this is reaching a really weird tribalist point. And we got to be careful about this stuff. We do. So let's read this story and let's talk about we got we got everything, man. We got a, We got a hat trick here. We got Antifa tribalism. We got censorship and we got breaking news on the wildfires. Look, before we get into this, I hope everybody's safe and OK, man. These wildfires are serious business. But check this out. Facebook to take down false reports of Antifa arson in Oregon. The rumors apparently inspired some Oregonians to set up checkpoints. What do you do when you have cops telling people on camera it is Antifa? And what do you do when you have that information and NBC News says y'all ain't allowed to share it? Yet people are going to believe they're, they're not going to trust mainstream media anymore. We, it's, it's, a, it's a middle ground, man. The cop might be wrong. I don't know what his source is. He's just talking to a guy. But if you come out with this heavy handedness, they're just making everything worse. NBC News reports Facebook said Saturday it, will t- it would take down erroneous posts claiming anti fascist activists have been maliciously sparking wildfires in Oregon and other Western states. The announcement came after multiple organizations, including the Douglas County Sheriff's Office in Oregon, issued warnings on social media about the false rumors. And another sheriff's department placed a deputy on leave after he was seen on video suggesting fires were being started by Antifa adherents. That's my understanding. That sheriff, we just we, we seen that clip, not the guy standing, it's a different guy talking. He got placed on administrative leave, apparently for saying that and making everything run rampant. Now, here's the problem, man. There is no evidence. Oregon's fires were caused by arson from far left activists. Wow. What, what, what am I supposed to say to this? Check out. Take, uh, so this is not the, not the story I'm looking for. Where uh, do I not have it pulled up? All right. Well, there is a story from Post Millennial. It is a, a, a leftist who did, in fact, start a fire and got arrested. So there is evidence that some of these at least one of these fires was started by a far left activist. I have I have some other different stories uh, pulled up, but we'll, we'll go through this. When NBC News comes out, and says there's no evidence. And uh, we've seen circumstantial evidence and we've seen definitive evidence. What are we supposed to believe? This is the problem with mainstream media. What they should have said is while there was one incident where a man identified as a Black Lives Matter activist was arrested for starting a fire outside of that, we have we don't have any more information. I do have information on this arsonist, which, which I was going to pull up. And this uh, brings me to a really important point about Antifa. We'll, we'll, we'll get to this. Let's read more. They say, we are removing false claims. The wildfires in Oregon were started by certain groups. Facebook spokesman Andy Stone tweeted, this is based on confirmation from law enforcement that these rumors are forcing local fire and police agencies to divert resources from fighting the fires and protecting the public. I'm just going to tell you all right now, a lot of people who really believe this. I'm seeing a lot of posts on social media. I defer to the police and the fire department. If they're saying, please, I'll take their word for it. And I think that, that that's valuable. Like I said, this cop in this viral video, you got to understand, maybe he's just wrong. I got I, I got to do it because I know the mainstream media is going to come after me for saying this next part, but I'm going to say it. This guy may have gotten put on leave because they don't want people to know it's political. Could you imagine the turmoil that would ensue if they actually knew Antifa was doing this 
and were like, don't let people know it will cause a panic. It's one thing when you have riots and we can see Antifa doing it. It's another thing when you have people starting wildfires. Again, I'm not suggesting that it is the case. I'm suggesting that if the media doesn't, it doesn't do their job, then you have a really easy opportunity for people to believe misinformation. They said the Clockamas County Sheriff's deputy placed on administrative leave Saturday had been tasked with ensuring that residents knew of the wildfire hazards when he was captured on video speaking about the fires. Sheriff Craig Roberts apologized for the unidentified deputy's alleged actions. The sheriff's office mission is to provide calm and safety, especially during unprecedented times such as these. He said in a statement, I expect nothing less of our deputies and apologize to uh, to all in our community. Provide calm and safety. And when he says we got Antifa guys out here, they put them on leave and then say it's because they want calm and safety. Now, I'm just saying it's irresponsible. I, I'm saying it's irresponsible. The best thing I can tell all of you is wait for evidence. Wait for evidence. We got one Black Lives Matter leftist. That's it so far. I don't know what else to tell you, man. There are photos going around of it's, it's three people holding an Antifa flag, but they're wearing firefighting gear. However, one of them has what looks like a gas can. So I'm like, you see these. Now, listen, we don't know where that photo's from. Uh, the, the origins of the photo, it's, it's just people sharing it. Uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe you guys have, have seen it. And you don't know what's in that can. It could be water. Some people are saying they're carrying around gas cans. But there is a, there is a photo of people holding an Antifa flag wearing firefighting gear. So you see that therein lies the, the problem of the, the current tribalist nature of our political w- world. Antifa's MO is not to burn the environment down. I mean, these guys are probably environmentalists. So they're, pro- they're probably like environmental extremists. Don't you guys remember when we had, it was, the, it, was the, it was the website, It's Going Down. And they were talking about how to sabotage train tracks because they were eco-fascists. <laughs> like many of them call themselves that. I don't know if they're doing it as a joke. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know if many of them actually refer, would refer to themselves as fascists in any capacity, but they consider themselves to be like eco-extremists. They would, they would destroy train tracks in order to stop, you know, the, uh, the, this environmental, the attacks on the environment. Look at the Dakota Access Pipeline. These people are total environmentalists. It would be absolutely a 180 from their position to destroy wildlife. That being said, it would, I wouldn't put it past crazy people. And this is the most important point about Antifa. Antifa, it's, it's like the Joker in, uh, in um, The Dark Knight. I, I made a bunch of Dark Knight references recently, haven't I? Anyway, here's the point. The Joker preys upon people who are unwell, to put it mildly. There's that scene where Two-Face captures that guy and he's like, tell me about the Joker or whatever. And Batman's like, you think he can tell anything to you? He's a paranoid schizophrenic. The Joker preys upon people like this. Here comes the main issue. We do not, we want to make sure, like this, this dude who set the fire, the Black Lives Matter guy, for, for all we know, he's just a crazy guy. And that seems to be the most likely scenario. So what ends up happening is you get someone who's paranoid, who's crazy, and you feed them all of these lies. And what happens? They go nuts. Then they go out, they'll protest, they'll scream because they're not all with it. And then when the fires start, they'll be you know, talking about the demons whispering in their ears and they'll go start fires. So long as Antifa tries to weaponize those who are not well. I mean, think about this. That guy, Rhino in Portland, who killed the Trump supporter, he was claiming 
He claimed that when he was when he was stalking these guys, he was surrounded by these vehicles, you know, armed Trump supporters. The dude was delusional. Like you can watch the video. The cars around him are regular cars. And, and, and I know it's possible he's just lying. Right. But there's video of it. He knows there's video of it. I think the reality is there's a good chance this dude is just nuts. He lost his mind. And so he's standing there and he sees these guys and he grabs his weapon and he's like, the Trump supporters are everywhere. And then he, you know, pulls out his gun and shoots the guy. He said there were vehicles armed with weapons. And then he gets into a shit out with the cops. Why? He said the cops were working with the Proud Boys. And then he lost his life. So, so listen, I'm not trying to make fun of him. I'm not trying to drag him for being unwell. That's not the point. And, you know, I, I was doing that. Uh, like, I, I mean, that literally like he's freaking out. He's like, oh, they're, they're everywhere. And you, he sees that the cops and he's like, ah, so here's what happens. You have this you have this story from heavy, right? Anita Esquivel accused of starting California arson fires along Highway 101 in Salinas. I'm showing this story not to drag this woman in any way, but to highlight for one arson. Yes, it's happening. We know the arson is happening and we also know the looting is happening. There is looting and there is arson and it is and it is it is serious and we need to put an end to it. All right. We need to because we want to. But the, the, I, I, I look at this woman. She does kind of look like an Antifa. She does kind of look like that photo. And this is what I realized. That photo, that mugshot looks so similar to those mugshots you see Andy No post. It's because they prey upon people who are unwell. Now, this woman is not Antifa. I'm not saying she is. I'm saying when I saw this, I'm like, she's just some crazy lady. And I'm like. There it is. You see, the problem is you've got Antifa organizers. They're ideological. They know what they're doing and they prey upon crazy people to set fires. Now, I'm not saying Antifa encouraged them to burn down forests. In fact, I think that's wrong because Antifa are they're going to be environmentalists. They're going to be like, well, the trees, you know what I mean? They're going to be out with their hippie friends doing hippie stuff in the forest. I think you see these similar images because Antifa would target those unwell people, but direct the fire towards the police, the police buildings. They don't want to go to jail. This is why you hear the story, right? The dude in, in Portland was handed an explosive and he threw it and then it went off. And he thought it was a firecracker and then he gets arrested. But the Antifa guy supplied him and then took off. They're smart. They want you to take the fall. They also do it to hide their motives. Perhaps there's something similar in regards to what this cop is saying or what's really going on. I just don't think so. I really, really don't. But I'm, I'm, I'm investigating, man. I'm looking into this stuff. What I do want to tell you is, is I want to show you this Socialist Rifle Association. First, I will say I think it's great that they're uh, all about their Second Amendment rights, constitutional rights, constitutional rights. You want to be a socialist and own a gun doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're a socialist, a communist, a capitalist, whatever. You have a, you have a right to own a weapon. So if these guys want to own weapons, you know, so long as they're doing it legally. Here's the quote. If you have any intel, call us. Antifa mother effers are out causing heck. There's a lot of lives and property at stake. Clackamas County Sheriff's deputy. Here's what they say. Holy crap, it's the Reichstag. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. But let me show you the, uh, the first post. Uh, that's not the post I wanted to pull up. Anyway, there, there, someone, someone posted a link. Uh, to uh, a tweet. And it is this. Devin Askew says some of the many warnings residents have posted between Colton and Estacada. Check this out. We won't call your family. Your body will never be found. Bang, bang. This one says looters and arsonists will be shot. Looters will be shot. 
home and armed. You loot, we shoot. They're not talking about Antifa. These you loot, we shoot is another sign. Here's an, a, a bunch saying you loot, we shoot. There are looters. And there are people who are taking this and they're acting like these signs. It's, it's the craziest psycho, psycho world we live in, man. It's the crazy because of these signs. You've got leftists who are arguing that the right has gone nuts, believing Antifa is everywhere. Woo! No, but there are arsonists. Here's one. And there are looters. Here's, an, here's another two. There's a ton of arson going on right now. I'm not saying every single fire is arson, but a lot of it, a decent amount of it. We've, I, I think I went over like five or six stories where the people, these fires are being intentionally set. Of course, never let a good catastrophe go to waste. Oregon governor calls wildfires a bellwether for climate change. This is a wake up call for us. And Governor Inslee of Washington blames climate change, calling these climate fires. I can't stand these people, man. I can't stand the exploitation. I can't stand the, the, the man. They're ready to stand, jump up, snap to attention. Oh, we got a crisis. Let's weaponize it for political gain. I don't want to live in that world, man. I don't. I think there's a, there's a, there's an opportunity for all of us to be reasonable. Give me some hard evidence on Antifa actually setting a fire and I'm down to talk about it. We got a leftist guy who got arrested. We know it fine. There's another set of photos going around where a guy is on the ground and it was like a woman posted this saying she caught him in the brush and he's got matches. And she's like, if my husband would have found him, he wouldn't even be alive. And he got arrested and you can see the photos. We don't know who this guy is. We don't know if he's Antifa, but there are deranged and unhinged individuals who are setting fires, who are looting. So you know what? To the, to the people putting up the warning signs, that's the right move. The last thing you want. Think about this. You live in the middle of nowhere, right? I'm actually out kind of in the middle of nowhere right now, setting up the new, the new studio and everything. If you live in the middle of nowhere, this is what the left needs to understand. There, there's no cops. There's, there's no cops. There's no fire department. There's no emergency service. You got to be armed to protect yourself. If looters show up, what do you do? They break into your house. You're there. You got to protect yourself. What if they're armed? Of course, the first thing you got to do is put up warning signs. So it's funny that people are saying like, you know, there's nothing any looter would want. I needed a laugh. Thank you. Ha ha ha. So this one says, I support this completely. If these lawless criminals can bend the law and do whatever, do what they want, so can everyone else. Is there even one instance of looting happening or is this completely online right wing hysteria? And that's the point I was trying to bring up. It's not right wing hysteria. But when you get these uh, ivory tower urban elites who are going off talking about how smart, how much smarter they are, how you don't need weapons to protect yourself. And there's not even any looting happening because what? It's the right wing. Oh, what's this? Statesman Journal. Men accused of looting homes in Santium Canyon wildfire zone arrested after wild chase. This is from a couple. It's from three days ago. Three days ago. When, when did they when did they post this? 14 hours ago. They could have just looked it up. I can't I, I you know, I can believe it. I really, really can that these people don't even bother doing a Google search. You know, the differences between what we do and what they do. Y'all do Google searches. Yeah, I, most of you, not all of you, but it's really that simple, isn't it? You go on Google, you search for something and then boom, you know what's going on. So listen, right now we got a bunch of memes flying around claiming it's Antifa. I think many people are trying to exploit this for political gain. I think it's dumb. You can't necessarily, you can't, you can't find some evidence. Seriously, find any one thing. We, we got, we, you got, a, you got a picture of uh, uh, firefighters holding up an Antifa flag. 
that makes them look good, dude. It does. It does. You might not like it, but maybe that's the trick. You need to find them actually setting the fires. Now for NBC, for Facebook, whatever, this is the most annoying thing. They say there is no evidence Oregon's fires were caused by arson from far left activists. That is a lie. The guy's name was Jeff Accord. He's 36. He was booked. He is, he, it is, it is known. He is a far left activist and they're saying no evidence. That's why I don't believe him. That's why I don't believe him. But I tell you this, I don't believe the mainstream media. I think the police's job is to, is to keep everyone calm. So they're not going to tell us outright anyway. And it may be that this sheriff who called this out, maybe he knows something that doesn't matter to me. What matters is get me the evidence. For now, we got one guy, one guy, one guy does not a conspiracy make. So we'll, you know, I'll keep looking into it, but I'll tell this, I'll tell you this, all of you who live in these areas, get out your phones and film. You see somebody you film, you know, that's the best I can say as to what I just, everything's so political right now. You know, I can criticize the governors for saying climate crisis, but the people who know they have no evidence it's Antifa who are pushing that same line, it's the same game. So what do you want me to say about it, man? I, I, would, I would put it this way. There is a decent probability that there, there are, are Antifa starting fires. Decent. That doesn't mean guaranteed. In fact, it means less than chance. We've got one far leftist guy so far. That's confirmed. Take it for what it is. Get more evidence and put it out there. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. This may be one of the best stories I've seen in a long time, and I hope you're ready for it. Trans Satanist anarchist wins Republican nomination for New Hampshire County Sheriff after running unopposed. I got it. I got to give it to uh, uh, Aria Demezio, the trans Satanist anarchist. This is incredible. Let me just break it down for you. It's very simple. People just vote. They don't care who they're voting for. They get their the, the vote card and they go, I vote for everybody. So now you have a trans Satanist anarchist whose campaign slogan was F the police running for sheriff, getting nearly 4000 votes. Look, this individual likely will not win because there's like a four term incumbent sheriff who's going to win. I think it's fair to say. But what this activist has done, Aria Demetzio, has just given a cold smack in the face to everybody who doesn't pay attention to who they're voting for. Times are changing. The, the, the dinos and the rhinos gotta go. I don't like the Democrats. I don't like the Republicans. I'll tell you what I do like. I like the new passionate people who are coming in and running for office. You're seeing it on the Republican side. You're seeing it on the Democrat side. I happen to disagree a lot with most of them, but I disagree with the Democrat, the, well, the, the progressive far left much, much more. So, Suffice it to say, this is, I I love it. It, A lot of people are angry. Let me just read the story and show you what's going on because it's a, it's a wake up call to a lot of people. A transgender woman who describes herself as a satanic anarchist has won the Republican party nomination for sheriff in a New Hampshire County after running on a platform of F the police. I can't imagine they're happy about this. Aria Demetrio told inside sources when asked about the reaction from Republicans. Demetrio captured the GOP nomination for Cheshire County Sheriff on Tuesday night after she ran unopposed in the party primary. She won despite the fact that she received no support from the county or state GOP. There's two big messages here. You have to know who you're voting for and you need to run for office. People often say, what do I do? 
I mean, here's a good one. Nobody there was going to run against Aria Demetzio. How easy would it have been to say my opponent is their, their slogan is F the police. Come on, vote for me. You, you, you could have you could have put a ham sandwich on, on a stool and the ham sandwich would have won. The point here is you need to run for office, too. And I encourage people to get active and get involved. So here's the Aria Demetzio for, for Sheriff F the police. And you can see that it's the anarchy symbol over the star. Demetzio will have even uh, an even more formidable task when, as she will face off with a four-term incumbent, the Democrat, Eli Rivera, the head of the Cheshire County Republican Party, Marilyn Houston, misgendered Demetzio by referring to her as a he when she offered congratulations. He did very well at the primary, and that was wonderful, Houston said. Demetzio is a member of a group of libertarian activists known as the Free Keen Group. During the recent GOP primary for governor, the group backed Rich Paul, who legally changed his name to nobody. (laughs) I love it, man. You know what? At a certain point, people needed to get a cold splash of water in the face. And this is probably the best way you can do it. This individual doesn't seem to be serious about their platform because it's F the police and they don't believe in authority. And so they may be serious for wanting to win, but I don't think they seriously want to actually uphold the office of sheriff. However, this individual is likely not going to win. They're running against a four-term incumbent. So what do you think is going to happen? In the end, we get press and we get people waking up and realizing if you sit back and do nothing and be complacent, you're going to get politicians you don't like. You want to know why I'm very grateful to Aria Demetzio? Demetzio, Demezzo. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. I'm very, very grateful. I am. I mean it. You know why? Imagine Instead of getting a trans Satanist activist who is telling you outright, you got a nice guy wearing a nice suit and he walked up and he said, I would like to be sheriff. Vote for me. And you did. And that person maybe was a, a Satanist act, anarchist, whatever, and lied to you. No, Arya is telling you the truth. And many people just didn't bother to look into this individual and thought it's Republican. I vote for it. No. No, you can't do that because that's how you end up with, he ends up with Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and do nothing Republicans and do nothing Democrats, the dinos and the rhinos, because they put on the suit and they trick you and they say, vote for me. I'm like you. And then you vote for them and then they do nothing and they leave you high and dry. At least now this person's being honest. So you know what else I love, Arya? Completely honest, completely honest. The intent, the, the, the intent here was crystal clear. Check this out. So Aria has this website, Aria for Sheriff, F the Police, a time for self-reflection. Writing, there are rumors that I do not intend to campaign against Eli Rivera. These rumors are not true, and I will be campaigning to win in November. Uh, Excuse me. Aria goes on to mention hate mail and things like this. But here's, here's a good passage. So you're mad. I get it. I promise you, I get it. You feel betrayed. You may even be wondering how the party that you believed in could do something like this. But odds are you're blaming me. Most people are probably angry at me and blaming me for all this. That's silly. I, I was always upfront about who I am. The good man in Ringe who looked into, uh, looked into me, found out everything he needed to know with a simple Google search. There it was, plain as day. Anarchist. I can't read these on YouTube, even though they're using the words because YouTube will punish me for it. But suffice it to say, disparaging words they say about themselves. It's all there. None of it's a secret. 
I couldn't possibly have been more upfront about who I am or my position on things. Did none of you pay attention to the election two years ago when I criticized Eli Rivera for not going far enough with his sanctuary policy? Did none of you remember the six foot tall trans person? I can't say that they can who ran for sheriff and then city council. You could have easily looked at a sample ballot prior to the election, and you could have simply looked up the candidates in a search engine. By doing so, you, like the good citizen in Ringe, would probably have been appalled and probably wouldn't have voted for me. I wouldn't have I, I wouldn't have begrudged you for that. I was, after all, rather upfront about it. I went into it expecting that I would lose the primary to a write-in candidate because I didn't think that so many voters were just completely and totally oblivious about who they are voting for. It's time to stand up, everybody. It's time for you to decide what you are going to do with your life. Are you going to figure out how to run for sheriff? Are you going to figure out how to run for city council, to get on the board, school, school council boards, to run for office, to become a congressperson, a state senator, a state legislator, any capacity? It's on you now. We are, are, are the millennials. We have to stand up for what we believe in. Now, many of you, I know, do the best you can every day with respect. I do what I do. I, I speak out. And Aria shocked the system in a rather harmless way. But this should be a wake up call because I got to tell you, who are you electing in the Democratic Party? Who are you electing in the Republican Party? I don't want to hear it. I don't like there's like a tiny handful of people that I like. And most of them happen to be right now Republicans. I got to be completely honest. Josh Hawley talking about censorship. You got Matt Gates also. This is a big issue for me. And Matt Gates voting. I believe it was Gates who voted in line with Trump to bring our troops back from the Middle East, along with, uh, I'm pretty sure, Tulsi Gabbard. So there's a small handful of politicians I like. I like Rand Paul, too. Most of them, I think, put on the suit and lie to your face and you vote for them. You're not getting that with Arya. Arya told you straight up, but you see what's happening now? Imagine if Arya put on a suit and pretended to be your, your typical Republican. Would you actually want to vote for someone who doesn't believe in what you believe and is lying to you? No. And this is the perfect example of a broken system. More than 4,000 people went into the voting booth on September 8th this week, and they all filled in the circle by my name, despite knowing absolutely nothing about the person they were nominating to be the most powerful law enforcement position in the county. That's a level of recklessness of which any decent human being should be ashamed. And I'm not the only one. A friend of mine who I won't name because I haven't asked her, uh, his permission to, even though I doubt he would care, had a similar result. He did absolutely no campaigning. I am his friend, and I was only barely aware that he was running. Yet this person, who did no campaigning, has no political connections, and to my knowledge, has never been to a single Republican meeting and didn't uh, and didn't just win his race. He placed first in his race where there were several other options. Maybe 20 Republican voters in all of Cheshire County knew who this guy was, yet he won and he won by taking first place in his race. Really, whose fault is this? You don't know anything about the people you're voting for. You're just blindly voting for them because you trust in the party. You trust in the system. Well, the party is broken and the system is broken. It's all broken. I am loving it. I'm, I'm, look, listen, I'm a bit of a lefty libertarian. You know what I want? I want to farm and I want to be left alone. Lefty libertarian doesn't really work in, in, grand, in a grand scale, you know, like grand, grand scheme of things. It works with a small group of friends, friends and family members who want to have their own little space and just do their thing. Enjoy the sunlight. Take a look at the hills. Go fishing, maybe. Right libertarians, it, it makes more sense because you have a competitive cooperative system that can scale up better. 
So I, I like the idea. I like the idea that people would challenge the authority, especially when it is people who blindly elect rhinos and dinos. Well, now you got something special on the Republican nomination, a trans anarchist Satanist uh, splashing cold water in your face. And I hope that the lesson people take from this, you, don't be angry. You shouldn't be mad about this. You should be laughing about this. This is really, really good for everyone. It's, it's particularly good for Republicans because now you're going to have Republicans being like, yo, I either better run or I better read about who I'm voting for. And guess what? You're going to have better candidates and you can be the better candidate. So I am grateful to Arya for doing this. I really am. This is awesome. Wake up call, everybody. You can't keep electing Republicans in name only or Democrats in name only. I am tired of these people. I want change. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. San Francisco. Oh, they're always they're, they're all about one up in themselves. They may be the first first jurisdiction, major U.S. city to allow 16 year olds to vote. Bravo. You deserve it. I hope you all vote for this. And then uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I remember what I was like when I was 16. I don't even think I should have been voting when I was 24. But I get it. There's a certain point at which you should vote. And right now, when you're 18, you go vote. I think the voting age used to be like 21 a long time ago or something like that. But 16, man, really? You haven't even had a job yet. Have you guys seen that viral video where the dudes, the, the kid gets in the car all excited? He's got his first paycheck and his dad's filming. And he's like, why are you filming? Just open the check, open the check. And the kid opens the check and it's, and he's like, wait a minute. And he's like, taxes. And he's like, no. <laughs> I remember the first time I worked for a big company and I was, I worked something like 40 plus hours in a week. And I got my check and I looked at taxes. I'm like, this has got to be wrong. This has got to be way wrong. And they're like, nope, welcome to taxes, buddy. And I was, I was a little upset. The reason I bring that up is you think a 16 year old is ready to vote when they never had a job before? They don't even know how taxes work or what they're going to be voting for. This is ridiculous. But here we go. From the Daily Mail, a California city, San Francisco, may soon allow teens ages 16 and 17 to vote in local elections. San Francisco residents will not only be voting in the presidential election come November, but they will also cast votes to determine if youths will be allowed to vote in municipal elections. Advocates in the city have been pushing such measures since 2016, when the first legislation failed with 48% of the vote, according to NBC News. I really think that Vote 16 will help youth of color in San Francisco establish the habit of voting at an earlier age and really provide them with the support and the resources that they need to continue building on that habit as they grow older. Organizer Crystal Chan told the network, no, I think Democrats in these cities are trying to build dependency. You get a young person who doesn't know what for you, you, you get them to vote for things like we'll give you money, we'll give you stuff. They become dependent on that money and that stuff and they keep voting for you. What are the old corporations you say in marketing? Get them while they're young. That's right. Market to kids. Make them lifelong customers. You don't got to market to them later on in life. That's what, what seems to be the case. Kids are not going to vote for responsibility or maturity. They're not going to vote for, the, the, for doing chores. I can, I can just hear the collective cry of every 16-year-old across the country when mom or dad said, do the dishes. And they went, oh, I don't want to do the dishes. Mow the lawn. Do I have to make, you know, Bobby or Sally do it instead? I don't want to do it, brother and sister or whatever. And they don't want to do the chores. So what happens when you have this, these adult figures saying, we're going to give you stuff, vote for us. No chores. 
Just, you know, a phone and, and, and these things. They'll vote for it. I mean, okay, maybe, maybe it's a little bold of me to say that they're absolutely going to be voting for welfare programs. But I think it's just they're not going to be mature enough to understand how taxes work, how jobs work, how businesses work. You, look, you want to get 16-year-olds to vote? Okay, we got to reform the education system and make sure our 16-year-olds know what's up. I don't think age is the factor. I think experience is the factor. And typically, 16-year-olds don't have the experience required to make, I don't know, sound decisions as it pertains to government policy. But of course, the Democrats seem to want to do it. They say some U.S. cities have already allowed teens as young as 16 to vote in local elections. Tacoma Park, Maryland, which passed such legislation in 2013, is one of those cities And local officials have said they have seen positive results. Research is clear on this, that voting is a habit and 16 is a better time than 18. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. 18 year olds are dumb enough. okay? but you're allowed to be dumb and you're allowed to be dumb. You still get your right to vote. But come on, man. Next, they're going to be saying, why not 14? Why not everyone always, no matter how old you are, you get you get seven year olds being like, I want to I want to vote because I want the teacher to give no more homework. And then, boop, they press the button. They say research is clear uh, as a habit. Other elected officials have also pushed for similar laws in New York and Massachusetts. In Massachusetts, surprise, surprise, Ayanna Presley introduced an amendment for the people, what was it, uh, for the People Act in 2019 to lower the federal voting age to 16. Good Lord. In 2018, New York Congresswoman Grace Meng introduced a constitutional amendment to lower the voting age nationwide to 16. I'm always inspired by our nation's youth who have demonstrated wisdom maturity and passion on issues like social justice, gun control and climate change. And there it is. You know, it's really funny. You know, it's really funny. They say that uh, you're, you're, when you're young, you're liberal. When you're older, you're conservative. Yeah, really interesting, isn't it? Why is it that young people are all about gun control and social justice and they age out of it? Maybe they don't necessarily age out of it. Maybe just the older generation ages out. But gun control, these, these issues, I find it fascinating that young people adopt these but older people are less likely to? Well, that could just be the leftward, leftward lurch. We're rolling in that direction. They are leaders of our future, and the decisions we make impact their lives every day. To capture their views and experiences, we must lower the voting age to 16 in all elections. Help me know. <laughs> could you imagine a 16-year-old? Like, I want, Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody in these cities want to do this. Here's what you do. I want you to have a party. All right. I want you to, uh, in a park, open space, welcome all ages, and then sort out everyone 16 to 18 and have them vote on, on things, just pertaining to the party, like what kind of food you're going to order. And just let me know. Let me know. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to imagine you're going to get a whole bunch of like super greasy pizza and chicken wings and ice cream and cookie dough and all that real good stuff. Candy. Sour Patch Kids. We want a big bowl of Sour Patch Kids Skittles. You know what I would do if I was preparing? I'd, I'd, well, I'd probably balance things. I'd definitely get some treats. I'd get some pizzas, for sure, the greasy stuff. But I'd get some salad, a big salad bowl. I don't, I don't think kids are inclined to do that. I think if you got a bunch of kids together, they're going to vote for, like, the greasy. Well, I don't know. These kids, maybe? Maybe they're going to be like, everyone must eat vegan. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being ageist. I just think 16-year-olds don't have the experience required for complex decisions. Nate Hawkman a senior at Colorado College, told NBC that he doesn't support the initiative to lower the voting age because he questions whether young people understand exactly what good governance looks like in their communities. 16-year-olds, they're sophomores, juniors in high school, like they're deeply impressionable. 
And they're not capable of making completely rational decisions about voting. And that's just true. That is just true. But what if I were to tell you that we were going to go about and undermine elections in general? What if I told you that there are non-citizen suffrage locations? That's right. As of March 2020, 12 municipalities in the U.S. allow non-citizens to vote in some or all local elections. One was in California and 11 were in Maryland. (laughs) What? Wow. Douglas, they say Joshua A. Douglas, associate professor of law at the University of Kentucky College Law, published an article in 2017 stating, Municipalities can expand voting rights in local elections if there are no explicit state constitutional or legislative impediment, uh, impediments, and so long as local jurisdictions have the power of home rule. Some states, for example, require that changes to local charters get approval from state legislatures, thereby limiting municipal authority over voter eligibility laws, whereas other states do not. Douglas identified 14 states, including California and Maryland, as imposing no clear impediments to municipal passing their own vote, uh, municipalities passing their own voter qualification laws. States with no clear uh, impediments to municipalities passing their own uh, voter qualification laws. So it looks like there are several states where this is entirely possible. Maryland has 11 municipalities where non-citizens are allowed to vote in local elections. I don't like the idea, but I will present a caveat. If we're talking about a school board meeting and you have permanent residents who have green cards and they live in this country, that I understand. If you'd like to vote, become a citizen. Now you have non-citizens who could potentially be voting in more than just schools. They could be, and and I understand the concept of, uh, uh, of, you know, green card holders, permanent residents. I don't understand this idea that we are going to allow non-citizens the right to vote in any capacity or people who are 16. But I, 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 I think I understand the real reason. Now, they might come at you with a bunch of reasons that no one would understand. But the reality is they want to win and they're going to do whatever they can to win. You know, the Democrats like to say Republicans are disenfranchising voters by cleaning voter rolls. Perhaps, perhaps some innocent people get purged from the voter roll and they got to register again. Mm-hmm. And the Democrats are trying to get kids to vote and non-citizens so don't play this game with me, dude. I don't like either of these parties. I got to be honest. I got to be honest. But at least cleaning voter rolls makes sense, man. You know, we, we, we got major mail-in voting right now. And you'll get someone in California who moves to Arkansas and a mail-in ballot gets sent to both places. Yeah, it's not going to work. So we got to clean the voter rolls. We don't want dead people voting and we don't want fraud. But I'll tell you what, the best case for cleaning the voter rolls is mail-in voting because we don't want ballots being sent out to people who don't actually live in these places anymore. Now, you want to give me an argument for why kids should vote? Nah, I'm sorry, man. You don't got a good reason. But children are part of the community. Shut up. Yeah, I know squirrels are a part of the community. I get it. Kids are, have, have more rights than squirrels. But the point I'm making is, they, they, listen, we got to have standards. You know, what are we gonna, if, if a 16-year-old, why not a 7-year-old? Why not a 12-year-old? You're arbitrarily determining the level of maturity required. Okay, well, we're at 18. And I think 18 might be too low, but I'm okay with it. We'll leave it where it is. You're an adult. You can sign contracts. Congratulations. Go off and do your thing. They're just going to keep pushing. You give them 16, it'll go 14. You give them 14, it'll go 12. They'll say, everyone, bring in your two-year-old. Your two-year-old is a person they can vote to. Ask Barry. You know what? They'll probably end up winning at some point, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. And the logical conclusion is upon us. We can have Wakanda, 
We just have to build it. 19 families buy 97 acres of land in Georgia to create black only safe space town called Freedom. But whites who are pro-African-American can apply to live there. No, 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 thank you. I don't like the idea of segregation. And it's already a problem that we have been trying to overcome for a long time that people self-segregate. Now, I can respect their rights to buy their own land and do their own thing. But to create these covenants, which we've seen in the past, to keep people out, no, I will not stand for this. You can make a joke about it. You can laugh about it. But this is exactly what we saw. I did a documentary on this about Ferguson, about St. Louis. And you know what we saw? We saw white people leave the city and say, we're going to make our own land where only we can live here. And we got rid of that because we don't want to separate ourselves based on race. We are the great melting pot. This is what you get. And I can hear it now. The collective applause of all the white nationalists saying, please, please do more. No, I don't want that. I want to be able to live in harmony with people of all different colors, creeds, orientations, identities, etc. I want to I want, I want to go and hang out and say, see my neighbor. My neighbor is from India. My neighbor over there is, is, is from Haiti or whatever. And just be like, what's up, guys? I love the idea that we can live in peace and harmony as human beings. This is going backwards. This is regression. This is segregation. And they are the ones. It is the left. It is the left and the progressives that are creating this. Here's the story. A group of 19 African-American families have bought 90, a 97 acre tract of land in rural Georgia, which they plan to use to create a city that will serve as a safe space for black families. The planned black cooperative town, which will be known as Freedom, is slated to be built on land purchased land purchases in August that sits just east of Macon, Georgia, in Wilkinson County. It is the brainchild of real estate agent Ashley Scott and her friend Renee Walters, an investor and entrepreneur. The two women are holding fundraisers to help pay for the initiative and describe themselves as a black owned, woman owned, family owned, veteran managed limited liability company. We figured we could try to fix a broken system or we could start fresh. This is how we build our new black Wall Streets. We can do this. We can have Wakanda. We just have to build it for ourselves, Scott said. Wakanda is the fictional African city in the Black Panther comic books. Now, I respect that entrepreneurial pioneer attitude 100%. Why do you got to do it based on race? That breaks my heart, man. It really does. That you think things are so bad that you would run away from other people because they look different from you. I wouldn't run from. I I lived. I lived in in many different neighborhoods. I lived. I lived in many areas that were multicultural, to put it mildly. People of all different races. I don't got any problem. I don't need to run away. I can face my problems head on. But this, to me, it, it is. It is. What's the difference between this? And people and and and, uh, and and white the white nationalists' ideas about balkanization and wanting to create white only spaces. Now I get it. There's a reason why people are mad at white, you know, d- despise white nationalism like more so than they would say black separatism. But I'm not a fan of any of it. I I I don't want this to be the case. Look, we already have a problem with self segregation. I covered this when I went to Sweden, when they had all these refugees come in from Somalia. I think I know. I think it was Sudan may have been Sudan or Somalia. The people naturally wanted to be near people they they recognized and speak the language they speak. It was more comfortable. So what ended up happening was they started creating their own enclaves, which started to slowly exist outside uh, to a certain degree of how Sweden was operating. This created certain neighborhoods where you had young people who grew up in this enclave 
who were who were legally Swedish, but their families back in, in their parents' home country called them uh, immigrants. And in Sweden, the Swedish people called them immigrants, too, even though they were born there. Separation is not going to help. Integration is going to help. And I don't mean cultural integration, although I think we need a parent culture like in the United States. What I mean is people living side by side and recognizing certain differences. Now, I believe in the United States, we have to be be very, very careful if people are coming in that the American culture, freedoms, liberalism, you know, constitutional, uh, constitutional republicanism, that these things are the parent tree. But, But beneath that, you have your Chinatowns, you got your Ukrainian village, you got stuff like that. Some of some sometimes and we see this in Chicago, self-segregation creates racial animosity and will exacerbate the problems of racism. You create dividing lines. I know because I grew up in I grew up in this 47th Street on the south side, southwest side of Chicago. Once you cross 47th, all of the houses were owned by black people. You cross below that and it's mostly like poor whites and like uh, Hispanic uh, Hispanics and, and many, you know, Mexican immigrants and things like that. For no other reason than we knew that street, people, the older you had older people on both sides who were racist towards each other. And me and my friends, we were young and we grew up around people of all different races. So we didn't care. The older, older generation, because they grew up with their community, were, were, were racist. So what do you think is going to happen with this? They're gonna make, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make it's going to exacerbate racism. Look at this. They say white people who are, quote, pro black people can also apply to live there, Scott told CNN. I'm hoping that it'll be a thriving safe haven for people of color, for black families in particular. Is that legal? Is that legal? It's impossible to have anything exclusively black because our families are integrated. We are an integrated, tolerant, and diverse community, even as black people. So we don't intend for it to be exclusively black, but we do intend for it to be pro-black in every way. So much land was stolen from black people. So much land was stolen from indigenous people. So to be able to come back and reclaim this land from from whoever may have had it, because we don't know the story. And that's the reality. OK, I mean, is it going to be an indigenous haven? To be completely fair, they're saying they're going to allow other people in. But think about the way they're framing it. What does pro-black people mean? This is just, in my opinion, a legal distinction they're making so that they can't be sued for violating civil rights or something like that. They say we don't know so many of our stories, but we can make a new story. And that's what we hope to do here. They got some photos here you can check out. It's going to be in Wilkinson County. They say the two women were moved by the unrest that triggered the police killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. After the February 23rd fatal shooting of Ahmed Arbery came to light, Scott and Walters felt the need to search for a new community that they could start on their own. Scott and Walters now plan to develop the land in stages. You know, I, I will I will compliment them in this regard. Where are the pioneers at, man? Good for them, 100%. Really, really, I do mean it. Where are the people who will go off into the wilderness and say, this is the place where we will build anew? It's not happening anymore. And it needs to happen. And I think maybe a driving factor in this is the collapse of cities. Obviously, cities aren't going to you know, become just like nightmare dumpster fires. They kind of are. But cities will still function, okay? But I am impressed that people are willing to go out into this big, empty rural area. Like, we're going to build a town. I'm like, that's actually kind of cool. I just don't like that you're going to be racist about it. You know what I mean? Um... So ultimately, I think the racism outweighs the pioneersmanship or whatever you'd call it. I wish they actually just said, look, we're going to do our thing. People are welcome to come and join us. That's it. Instead, it's being framed as this, you know, pro like black only kind of space. I certainly hope that isn't the case because I don't want to see more racism. 
They say initially they were they were uh, there initially their plans to clear the land, farm it and create a man-made lake for sustainable fishing. The work is necessary before submitting a request for a city charter. Watching our people protesting in the streets while it is important. And I want people to stay out in the streets, bringing attention to the injustices of black people. Scott said we needed to create a safe space and a place where it could be a village again, a tribe again. We wanted to create this safe space where we can address our own issues and concerns. All right, well, do your thing. Fine. I don't know if it's legal, but I'll tell you this. I look forward to two things. One, what's going to happen when you make a police force? Who's going to enforce the laws of your community? And what will you do if someone comes from outside your community to loot, burn, and commit crimes? Will you then arrest that person? And what if that person is armed? Will you then fire in self-defense? Will people then come and protest your city? And if you realize all of these things, then what? Do you buy guns? Maybe. I'm not saying that they're anti-2A. In fact, they may be very, very pro-Second Amendment, in which case I look forward to them saying we're going to arm up and defend ourselves and have our own place. But ultimately, I think that leads us to a dark route. Of course, have your guns. Do your thing, right? Okay. I mean, you have Second Amendment right to do so. But think about, think about the future. Think about where this leads us. What happens next? Are, are Asians going to say we're going to go build our own Asian city? Are white people going to say, okay, then we'll build a white city? I don't want any of that. I mean, mostly because what am I going to (laughs) do? You know me. Mixed race Tim Pool. That's right. I don't like it. I don't. I want everybody to come together, hang out, have have a slice, have have some wings, have some pizza, have some beer or vegan wings if you're vegan and a salad. I we when when I have parties, we accommodate all. But this breaks my heart, man. It breaks my heart. I'm, I'm sad to see that people feel like this is what they need to do. But I get it. It's racist. People are racist. And what do you do when other people are racist? When you know, when, when these people are saying white people are racist, what happens? It's racist of them in the actions they take, targeting an entire race of people based on the actions of racists. Not all white people are racist. Some white people are racist. Some Latinos are racist. Some Asians are actually, a lot of Asians are racist. I know because I've, that's just coming from my experience with, you know, my, my, my family's heritage and stuff like this. You got Asians, man, they're pretty racist. They are. And admittedly, look at the countries that uh, have become melting pots. We've done a great job, this, this, this country, United States. Is this really the direction we want to go? I certainly hope it's not. And I hope this is an outlier. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out in this wonderful new, uh, I'm in a closet, actually. Seriously, this room is a closet. It's got a window, though. It's kind of crazy um, because we're building a studio. And this was the only place where I could stop the sound from echoing like crazy. Isn't that funny? Good fun. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out.